Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties listen to the questions you have. We find pros in the know to help you learn. And connect with our amazing VO community. Welcome, Welcome to, to VO, VO Booth, Booth Besties. Besties. Welcome, everyone, to VO Booth Besties, VO101. The goal of this series is to provide current and credible information to folks who are newer to the voiceover industry and want to learn more from pros who know. There is so much information out there, and it can be quite overwhelming. We hope to ease those feelings. Each week, we will have a new topic and occasionally a guest speaker who is an expert on that topic. In the meantime, you get us. You can submit your questions through our website, boothbesties.com, or our Facebook group, and we'll do our best to include them in our discussions. A quick bit of housekeeping in order to stay on topic and get as many of your questions answered as we can, we're actually going to keep hand raising turned off. However, the chat will remain open, and this week, AB will be monitoring that. Now, without further ado, let's get started. Over to you, JT. Thank you very much. We often struggle when we're starting in VO to understand what the different genres are and how to fit into them. There are a lot of names that are confusing, a lot of categories that overlap, seem to be the same thing. So we want to break those down, talk about them, dive deeper into them, and then figure out where we fit best and how to figure that out, because that's just as hard. Let's start where a lot of voice actors start, and that's with narration. That was so beautifully narrated, A.B. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed. So, okay, narration. Seriously, that is a pretty broad topic. Can you yeah. help us out a little there? <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. When I first started, I thought all of voiceover was narration. And I actually used to introduce myself as a narrator to people when they asked what my job was. Um, but theoretically, anytime you're narrating something, it's considered narration. So we're going to break it down quite a bit more. So, okay. So raise your virtual hand if you guys have ever heard of David Attenborough. Uh, I hope every single person down there raised their hand because he is the voice, the British voice for basically every nature documentary I've ever seen. Uh, he does the Blue Planet series and just, he's just iconic. Um, his ease, his timing, his pace, just listening to him is a masterclass in and of itself on narration. Uh, you can also learn about endangered species and how we're destroying the planet at the same time. But I digress. Um, but it's still, so thinking documentary, right? So storytelling, um, that's a type of narration. Uh, another area of narration that I'm actually um, considering getting into is audio description. And this type of narration is is in the same lane uh, like as documentary narration, but it is more of a supporting role. AD is geared towards the inclusion of partially sighted or blind viewers. AD narration supplies the description of what a viewer would be seeing, the action that's happening with the film or show, but without interfering with the dialogue. So it's kind of a subtle commentary like on what you're seeing. Um, now, one of the most common forms of narration is audiobook narration. Um, there's both fiction and nonfiction, um, children's book, novels. It can be romance. It can be just mm, endless. Anything that's been written, right? 
Um, and in fact, we'll be doing a series on this genre in a few weeks with some with a uh, coach and I think two or three actual audiobook producers from big publishing companies. So you'll want to check in on that. But in the meantime, audiobook narration is a neat genre as it can provide you with lots of acting challenges and nuance. Uh, what I mean is that fiction, for example, may give you a chance to use multiple character voices, and you would want to be coached on that, by the way. Um, maybe you have to confidently and convincingly provide efforts. Efforts are like like sexual moans if you're doing a um, maybe erotica book because that's one of your that's one of your audiobook genres, folks. Um, but you need to be able to confidently do those things. Um, you may also find that you have to collaborate with other actors. They, they often call these multicast audiobooks. While nonfiction is a bit more straightforward, uh, with less emotion, a little more matter of fact, and there's a lot of prep time, um, understanding, and, and JT will touch on this later with corporate narration and medical narration, but you got to know how to say characters' names, first names, last names, maybe they're from a different country, maybe, um, and, and, and you also need to be able to edit. A lot of audiobook narrators have skills in editing their own, doing punch and roll or any processing. A lot of times that falls to the audiobook narrator. Um, okay, so that's audiobook documentary AD. So over to you, JT. All right, so then we get to the business side of narration. We have corporate narration, industrial narration, medical narration, museums and um, tours. Those are a form of narration children's narration. Something else that might fall under narration is guided meditations, sleep stories. And so let's break those down a little bit. E-learning encompasses a lot of those things too, because it just depends on the company that you're doing the e-learning for. Corporate narration is going to be your new employee training or your health benefits training for the year. The service department at Kia has a new computer system that they have to use. And so you're training the service department how to use those things. Um, industrial narration, how the machine operates, how the process works. For example, I, I did a whole series for a company called Craftco, who make petroleum products for patching roads and the equipment that you need to spread that stuff. And so there were actually three separate series. There was one for the sales department, one for um, people who are going to purchase any of the gear and equipment, and one for how to use all of the gear and equipment. So they're all corporate, but they're also industrial and they're also sales. Um, medical narration is just what it sounds like. It can be describing a product. It can be the ISI or important safety information, which is incredibly boring but um, necessary because of FDA regulation and full of big words. And so that carries a nicer, <laughs> a nicer paycheck <laughs> than your average narration. Um, and please be aware, if you're going to do medical narration, a couple things about that. You do need to be comfortable saying all those big medical things and sounding convincing because that is generally going to be your audience. You're teaching these people how to do a procedure or how to use a new medication, how to prescribe a new medication. So you need to sound like a peer. 
if you're not comfortable with that, I suggest like don't waste your time. Um, technical narration can be similar if you're doing a, a narration for metals, somebody who extrudes metals, and they're talking about the different processes and the different types of metals and the things that are going into it. It can also be a little bit technical and they will guide you through it. But if you can't make it flow and sound like you are talking about it, it's not going to fly. Museum narration, there's a new exhibit at the Met and you are going to be the person who they hear when they put those headphones on and walk around through the guided tour and explain each piece. Tour narration, it can be a museum, it can be a national park, it can be an amusement park. Children's narration is exactly what it sounds like. And depending on the age group, you're going to need to read appropriately. You're not going to talk the same way to a 13-year-old as you are a four-year-old. So um, some things to, to consider when you're looking at the specs. A.B.? So uh, explainer videos. So the first time I heard the word explainer video, I thought that that would mean like exclusively a tutorial, something that's explaining how to do something. But explainers is pretty much anything that is a non-broadcast web video that explains or teaches a client's audience about who they are or what they have to offer. So that could be anything from here's my product and why you need it videos to uh, here's how we do business video. There were a lot of explainer videos during COVID that were like, here's how we're protecting you. Here's how we're keeping you safe. Um, you might think of them as informational videos. You'll find a lot of these videos labeled as animation because they typically have animate, they, not typically, but sometimes they're animated. And so if you're like me and you don't do animation, don't leave it off your P2P keywords and stuff because sometimes it's just an animated video, but it's informational text, which is um, a lot of fun to narrate. Uh, something similar is instructional or tutorial videos. So what I initially thought it was, right? Like how to use our website or how to program your smart bulbs or how to program your new vacuum cleaner, you know, those like floor iRobot vacuum cleaner things. Oh, I had something to add to that. So definitely tag your samples with animation. And if you're not comfortable with animation, just because you see animation in the title of a, an audition, read the specs because it might not be animation. A lot of the people who are doing the hiring for these things are not voiceover people. They are not agencies. They are not your standard client. They don't know that just because they're putting it to a little thing that they found on Toonly, that it's not animation. So, you know, you have to consider your buyer in that situation. It says animation because in their mind, it's got a little cartoon person whose mouth is moving and your voice is coming out of it. It's not animation. Yep. And to that point, it also doesn't mean character. A.B., wouldn't you argue that when it comes to explainer, it's, it's very, I, ugh, I'm going to say the C word, conversational, that it's very um, relatable, it's Again, you use the word informative. So also, again, to JT's point, reading the specs, don't get yourself thinking you've got to suddenly put on a voice or try to be something yeah. else. Like you're still providing the information. And JT, you hit the nail on the head. I've done it before where, yeah, the little stick figures walking across. They're not trying to match my words with an animated mouth or, you know, some computer generated character. That's just what 
that's just what their presentation is made of. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, explainers are kind of a nice marriage in the middle of uh, more corporate and industrial and technical reads that need to be very technical and specific and very, very casual, um, like commercial reads that are they're conversational. Like there's there's kind of a blend of the two. I will say I have done quite a few explainer videos that do require some light character work, like you're the boss of the company or you're the employee or you're Linda from accounting or, you know, and, and you get to kind of play a role. And those are really fun. Um, there's usually a script. There's multiple people involved that those are fun. So, but most of the time you're just yourself and your variations of you, tech you, uh, medical you, whatever. Um, so we asked in our Facebook group about favorite genres and Jen Henry said video games because she loves being part of the experience followed by commercial and then non-broadcast work because I don't hate money. And <laughs> I loved that. I loved that line because it's the bread and butter for a lot of voice actors. It's the income that we can rely on to keep coming back for more. My corporate explainer clients are my favorite because they're super easy to please. They have multiple projects a year. They usually know nothing about the creative side or don't have the energy to care about it because they're so busy, which gives me complete creative control. So I think that's why people say, you know, it's their bread and butter. And yeah, those clients are, they're, honestly, they're some of your favorite clients because all you have to do is provide timely customer service and make sure that your, your work is accurate and you just made their lives a hundred percent easier. So they will come back to you time and time again. I have, I have clients in that genre for seven, eight years. And they've now, never left me. Now, with that, JT, with these clients, that your corporate clients, are you finding that, do they have an engineer? Do they have someone that's doing processing and all those? Or, or is no. that something you need to also come to the table with? Because I think people need to understand that. Like I said, with the audiobook narration is oftentimes it's going to fall unless you pay someone out of pocket. But I just mentioned last night to someone like it does behoove voice actors to be multifaceted, to be multi-resource, to not just say all I do is provide the voice. So can you kind of speak to what is asked of you when you present yourself to if you're trying to direct market and they're like, yeah, we could use, we could use this if you we could use your voice if you would do this um, explainer. But they don't have like an in-house marketing or, you know, an in-house right. group doing all that. So can you speak to that? Yeah. So most of the time, you're going to need to be able to just lightly process your voice, be able to take out the pops and clicks and breaths because in a corporate video like that, the breaths generally are not so acceptable because they're not listening to you talk to them, they're listening to the information and that can be distracting. So you've got to have some basic editing skills for that. And you also need most of the time to be able to split the files and save them individually per script. So they're going to have the script. They're going to have each slide in a separate, sometimes it'll be in a box. Sometimes it's just in a row, but each one is going to have its own label and you need to be able to save it into a folder labeled exactly the way the client wants it so they can pop it into their PowerPoint or whatever presentation software they're using 
And that's it. That's all they're going to be able to do with it. They're not going to know how to edit it in most cases. So for sure, you've got to have those basic editing skills. Yeah, I think that brings up a good point, too, because when it comes to things like pickups, uh, commercial clients or creative teams, produce production companies or producers, they're going to if they send you a pickup or a change, they just want you to send them back just that line. But if you're dealing with corporate clients, they need you to drop it back in, match it, level it. And trust me, you want to do that for them because they're if they try to do it themselves, (laughs) it doesn't sound good. You want it because you it's your product that's going out there and people are going to be listening to you. I I have an experience where they sped my voice up because they didn't give me a timestamp. I had no idea they wanted it to be fast and they they sped up my voice and I found it months later and was like, oh, that sounds terrible. And I contacted them and I'm like, please let me redo this for you. I can talk faster and make it not sound like a robot produced this. And luckily they did and and I was able to replace it. But um, yeah, they want you to be able to make the edits and everything and send them fully ready to go drop in files. Yeah, that's a great point with the edits too, because oftentimes um, one of the clients that I have is a private jet company. They actually own three different private jet companies under one umbrella. So I do the training for all three of the companies. And because we've been working together so long, it's often just a matter of updating a couple things every year instead of reproducing the entire training. So they know that they can come back to me. I can change that one term or that one definition or just add a sentence if they need it for HR, put it in, send it back to them, and they can pop it right back in and know that it's going to sound the same. So consistency is super important. It's important for you too, because you don't want to be trying to mess around with levels and do I sound the same every time? And am I the same distance from my mic every time? And your tone might change depending on who the client is. Listen to the file that they sent you that they need you to replace part of so that you can match the tone and pace, but ultimately your audio has got to match so that it's not a glaring, I'm talking about this thing. And then I bet that, and then, you know, it just, it's not going to fly. You're not going to keep that client, but the easier you can make the process for them, the more likely it is that they're just going to stick with you and refer you to friends, which is beautiful when you get that email saying, hey, I know so-and-so at this company, and I heard that you're great with this, and I'd like to hire you for my project. Yay. Thank you, client. So, you know, uh, as AB said, Jen Henry was like, yeah, this is bread and butter, the corporate stuff. But I think a lot of times we, we as voice actors or newer voice actors are like, yeah, but if I do commercial, like that's where the money's at. I, you know, it's just going to be big. But Another part of, to circle back to what we're talking about today, are genres. And one of the things we're talking about, these are non-broadcast categories. So basically anything that doesn't have paid reach. So if it lives on, if you make, if you voice a video and it lives on a company's website, okay, they're not paying for it to be shown to customers through social media, for example. So that would fall under non-broadcast. They may use it on the, for corporate social media and call it organic reach. And that's fine. But, but understanding that it's, yeah, this one is about 
consistency and quantity of clients to help build up, again, that bread and butter, that relationship, that consistent work, but to not confuse it with, oh, I should be making, you know, if this is going everywhere, all these different places, um, I should be making the certain amount of money, but understand this is non-broadcast. So they're paying you to voice the thing, introduce, you know, hey, welcome to our website. So glad you stopped by. That's not paid. That's going to be non-broadcast and that's just going to live on their website as an example. So uh, JT, why don't you keep going with that? Right. So that's what falls under organic reach. They can use that on their social media, on their own website, on like on their social media page. If I record something for Microsoft and they put it on the Microsoft website, they put it on the Microsoft YouTube channel, they put it on the Microsoft Facebook page, that is still non-broadcast, that is organic reach, and those things can be used in perpetuity. So we talked about in perpetuity versus buyout with Rob a week or so ago. That's totally fine. Those things carry a smaller price tag. Those are nice, consistent clients if you can get them. Organic reach means they're not paying to have it put on there. They're not paying for it to be on a Hulu ad or a television ad. And it's also really important to document things like that because sometimes the client may decide that they really like your voice. And oh, if we take part of that, we can make a commercial out of it and use it for paid usage and turn it into an ad on YouTube or an ad on Instagram or an ad on Hulu or an ad on a, on Facebook, like in between things on your feed. If they do that, they should pay you because that is now paid usage. So document when someone says in perpetuity and you agree, make sure it's in writing and they understand that if they decide later to take that and use it for any form of paid advertising, that comes with an extra cost to you. Yeah, because that's when you can get into it, cutting into your exclusivity and, and, and other things. So I typically just include a line in my contract or invoice that says the voice is to be used for unpaid non-broadcast use only. And what we've talked about um, in the past is if it comes back and let's say somebody does use something, you don't find out about it. You get a job working for Apple and they find out that you had this tech read that went out six years ago that they're playing now as a commercial. It's not on you at that point. It's on the company that used your audio illegally. So because you'll have that contract and that documentation that you did not give them the right for that. So you just want to make sure that you're covering your bases and, and always put it in writing. If you're not comfortable with contracts, put it in your invoice. You That is um, an appropriate documentation. You can just email about it, but we recommend that you include it in something official like an invoice or a contract. And it's just as simple as including that. This may be used in perpetuity for non-broadcast, um, non-paid. Anything past that requires extra compensation to be discussed at that time. So we're getting a teeny bit off topic. We want to keep with genre, but it's important that we talk about understanding in each genre that there are you know, really important key uh, features like, is it non-broadcast? Is it broadcast? Can this be, can this be in perpetuity? And should this not be in perpetuity? So that's why we're kind of just circling back on those um, topics. So 
just to be clear, there's no worries if I'm doing explainer, if I'm doing just non-broadcast narration, um, that it uh, it's okay if the word in perpetuity shows up because it just means it's going. You know, I'm actually going to circle back to something Frank Brandarosa said. Ooh, I think it was him. I want to give credit credit to the right person. But he said the other part that's so funny is about in perpetuity is there is a timeline for everything. So even if somebody goes, yeah, I just want to be able to use this forever, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Like, they. I mean, they may like your voice for now. They may have a campaign. They may have um, a sales opportunity. They may have this device that they just created. But guess what? All of that is going to change. So a lot of times we kind of get ourselves freaked out. And it's like, no, they're going to, this is going to dissolve in a year. It might dissolve in six months. Heck, it might dissolve in a week. Um, you know, so I think, although it's important to document, like AB and JT have both emphasized, also don't be so, is it ego? Don't let it stress you out. Don't let it stress you out. Don't assume that like, oh my gosh, I'm really giving away for life. It's not. It's just the easy way of saying, we just want to use it for a while. Um, but just make sure you document accordingly. So, uh, JT, you want to wrap that up? Yeah. I mean, I think we've we've pretty much covered those things. So let's move into some other non-broadcast categories like IVR. Uh, yeah. So IVR, interactive voice response. Casey just brought this up. Phone prompts, on-hold messaging. Uh, I've had the opportunity to actually do several of these. And, and it's it's not hard. But it's also not a lot of money. But this is this is back to what we've already been talking about is you build a relationship with the company. You are now their voice for any time someone calls. So if they're like, oh, um, we need a message that um, we're not going to be in the office for Memorial Day then they're going to call you because they want everything to match, right? You know, so they're going to so, hey, can you just shoot over this, you know, this updated message? So once again, having all of your files saved, making sure, you know, your voice tone and pace matches what you've previously done. But also there is like for larger companies, they have a software program that they, they upload it to. It's not just them taking your voice and then just it magically goes into the phone system. So there are some phone messaging services that you have to actually do a special um, compression. You have to edit the audio file into a ULA file. Uh, we won't get into that. You can Google it, YouTube it. But you also, again, be multifaceted. Know how to do that for the client. Take away the pain point. Don't just go here. Here's your voiceover stuff and then walk away. Good customer service is going to take you a long way. If you can say to them, hey, I can, you provide the script. I'll voice it and I'll get it, you know, uh, put into the right format for you and I'll send it back and I can do that same day. Whatever. On hold messages can be a very consistent not gold mine, but a very consistent form of income. I had a Volkswagen dealership that I did a new on hold message for them every month. And I kid you not, for 18 years, 18 years, they still have my voice on there. They just don't update it monthly anymore, which is totally fine. <laughs> and that for, for me involved full production. I would put the music bed in. I actually wrote the on hold message for them every month, produce the audio, put it with the music bed, donut the music up and down underneath it and would send it to them. I mean, I worked with them so long, the first couple of years were on cassette. I would mail them a new cassette every month for their on hold message. 
so the, the, my point is, you know, you build a relationship with somebody like that and it's really nice and consistent. Oh my gosh. Are we at the half hour already? Yes. Let's do a Holy quick cow. reset guys. Um, yeah. We're really good at talking, apparently. I don't know. Who would have talking. Hey, so everybody, we are at the half hour. Let's do a quick room reset. If you've just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties. And this is our VO 101 series where we discuss fundamental topics about getting into the voiceover industry. And today we're discuss discussing different genres of voiceover. Uh, thanks for joining us. Now, JT, how about we get to e-learning? Okay. E-learning is, is very similar to what we were just talking about. As far as you're going to get the script, it's often going to be broken down by section. They are generally going to have it put into a PowerPoint for their people or, you know, some similar program. Consistency is very important. Those e-learning clients will also come back to you for years at a time because it's often not just that one project. So some of the subgenres there, you can have e-learning for any grade of, of school, of college, preschool, but it's not just school. It's also employee training. Like I mentioned earlier, the Kia service department, that's e-learning. These guys are going to have to sit down and listen to this presentation to learn the whole new software thing that they brought in for, for the car dealership. Looking for work in those genres, a lot of them are going to come through the pay-to-play. It's also an opportunity every time you go somewhere and have an interaction with a, an owner or manager to strike up a maybe a conversation, especially if you have called a business, uh, back to the IVR real quick, if you've called a business and their phone message is terrible or they don't have one, take a minute to offer to talk to them about getting something that sounds better. Just be careful, because if they're the person who recorded it, you may really offend them. <laughs> I've done well, that. But I think you'll, you don't <laughs> notice, I would notice the, the voice was similar though. Yeah, it's uh, not always, because they step no? into that, uh, who would they think they're supposed to sound like voice that we do, right? <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's a good way to like reach out to their marketing department or to their business manager and just offer, but it's all in how you word it. You know, you can't be like, your, I noticed your on-hold message is terrible, right? Like, it's all in how you word it. Um, well, so you can always also, just say, so who does your on-hold message for you? There you go. There you go. Oh, it's me. <laughs> it's Jane in accounting, right? Like, it's the, one of the other things about e-learning is the, uh, the business side of it can also incorporate... Um, like the tutorials we talked about earlier can also be considered e-learning. So it's when you're applying for jobs and you're looking at the specs, just read them really carefully and make sure you understand e-learning is going to be typically more uh, someone talking to a peer in, in our current state. Like it's not going to be as conversational. Um, sorry, it is going to be conversational. It's not going to be as professorial, like, like talking down to someone, right? Like it's going to be more precise. Um, let's talk about the fun stuff. Can we yeah. talk about the fun stuff? <laughs> yeah, um, let's move on. <laughs> two genres a lot of voice actors get really excited about. I am not one of those voice actors, but they really get excited about animation and video games. So Jeff Burns said on our Facebook group that his favorite genre was animation and video games because it's like playtime in the booth to inhabit these worlds, whether it's something incredibly cartoony or something more on the grounded side. And Rama Rodriguez said, video games. 
She said, I'm a Gen Xer, having witnessed and played through the evolution of video games from Atari to PS5 from a graphics and gameplay standpoint has been nothing short of amazing. And then you add voiceover to that with the amazing talent out there telling these stories and creating such a great gameplay experience. My goodness. So I'm going to turn this over to NJ. Yeah, I'll admit I'm in this group too. Jeff and I saw each other (laughs) over the weekend and we, yeah, we can bond over this. Uh, In fact, I also just recorded my animation demo when I was in LA uh, this past weekend with Lori Allen. It was awesome. But animation seems simple enough, Um, but it is not just about making silly voices. These characters have to be shades of you. That's, Lori says that and I love it. So, you're and, and if you're if it's if you're not in there, it's not a believable character. And and you need to be able to find the voice, whatever you're doing. You also have to be able to sustain it, possibly for a long time. So if you're able to just do something silly for like a minute or a few lines, but you're like, there's no way I could do that, or my voice would be trashed if I did that for an entire show or film, you, you need to be mindful of that. Um <clears throat> Animation often requires great improv skills and comedic timing. Uh, AB, would you like to give us um, an example of funny improv real quick? <laughs> I, I think no, AB, all know I don't improv. <laughs> no, she she doesn't. She can improv just if you told not her with a script. That, yeah, not with a script. And she jokes that she's not funny, but she has her moments. <laughs> now, as Jeff mentioned, you know, video games, on the other hand, aren't as much about being a character as they are acting. Believe it or not, or not believe it or not. I mean, if you've seen video games lately, oh my gosh, they. I mean, they're full on movies it feels like they are real they have a storyline there's monologues <laughs> that are happening for some of these characters the the other thing about animation and video games that i want to point out is being able to do quote impressions of other actors of other voices although in theory you're like that's awesome that actually doesn't book you the job because in everything we beat this horse to death we want you the, the 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 casting they want you so they don't just if you can do Donald Duck cool but you know what first of all somebody else is already doing <laughs> Donald Duck they don't need you to do Donald Duck you know so find your character voices for both animation and video games that are shades of you um, with yeah. video games you need to be able to do efforts I already gave you an effort earlier but like fighting uh, like basically you're fighting with yourself in a booth on a microphone. Um, and thinking through it, can I give a punch? What's that sound like? But then what does it sound like to receive a punch? Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't actually know. And, and being able to do that. Um, I did a session with Michael coach, Michael Scott. He's a very popular voice actor. And he said, oftentimes we know how to jump up. We know how to say or make the sound of, but then we forget to come down. (laughs) We forget to land. And I was like, oh my gosh, that you don't, you've got to really be able to think through that. So anyway, th- that's another genre, but it, it's, although in theory, it seems simple and just fun. It's actually very complex, very nuanced. Now I, oh, go ahead, JT. Last night and last Wednesday night, I was actually in animation sessions with uh, Marlo Evergreen from CESD. And it was really interesting. There were um, 14 actors in the sessions. And 
last night, anyone who tried to give her a character on their first read, she'd come back and say, great, but now I want to hear you. So it's it's not as charactery and cartoony and the way that it used to be. And somebody chose um, uh, the old man from The Simpsons. I don't remember his name. It's been a long time since I watched that. And he did a great impression of him. But she was like, okay, but now you need to be him. You need to be the crotchety old guy because if I'm going to book you, I need to hear you, not Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns, that was it. So, and I found that really interesting because I have never done an animation coaching like that before. And so, yeah. Yeah, you're really reinforcing what we're saying. And guys, this this is across all genres. Everything we're talking about there needs to be a human experience or people will not engage. They won't connect. So just know that that applies on all genres. Uh, one more genre that I is anime. I actually won't speak to this because I, I haven't studied it. I haven't coached on it. But what most of you know, and I'll just, and if you don't know, it's more of a combination of animation and character, but with dubbing. Um, and so guys, if you're interested, please you know, you can use the interwebs, um, Google it, find out more. Um, you can also find um, anime production houses, but but it's a, it's an it's a, another genre to consider. So that's why we're including it. But none of us have done it or coached on it, so we won't speak to it specifically. All right, AB. There's also a whole category for toys and games. Some people make their entire career voicing characters for t- um, toys and children's games that might include apps for kids or even apps for adults. I know that I've been the voice of a couple of children's app characters in the past, and that's a lot of fun. Um, we also didn't mention VR and uh, the the virtual world. And Molly Marie was telling us that she is the voice of some things in the metaverse. So that's a lot of fun. Oh, cool. um, next, we have commercial, and that includes both TV and radio. And I would even add some um, paid web usage, and that typically refers to any paid advertising. So we think of big national spots here, but it means a variety of things, including local TV, radio tags. Like when you watch a whole commercial at the end, it says something like, on our August 25th, head down to the Good Feet store and get your feet checked today. You know, like that's a tag, and those are great. Sorry, I have to tell a really, really fast story. There was a guy on LinkedIn, and he had this whole video, and he was like, I just, and it was like, it was like for Spider Man. And he's playing the whole trailer. And I mean, and and it keeps saying at the bottom, he put wait for it. And it's clearly not his voice, but it's this entire trailer. And he goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And you see him lift his finger and he says, rated R. And I mean, we were dying <laughs> laughing because we were like, oh my God, I just sat through like a minute and a half trailer. We kept thinking like, you're it. He was rated R. And you know what? <laughs> it counts. <laughs> it totally does. I mean, my... Highest job yet, highest paying job yet. I had five words, five words in a, in an entire script of people talking. I had five words, and but it was a national spot, so it was it was a big booker. Um, but there's a lot of subcategories under broadcast, um, and I think everybody kind of knows what we're talking about with commercial. But I love what Paul Schmidt said on our Facebook group. He said the nuance and intention that commercial requires is more challenging to me than any other genre. I think it's the second most difficult genre in VO, fictional audiobooks being the most difficult, so much so that I don't even attempt them. That that nuance and and really finding yourself in the script and playing characters without really playing characters, 
commercial is can be very hard. So some subcategories under that are automotive, um, broadcast narration. We talked with Tina Marasco on Monday about in-show narration. That is a type of broadcast narration. Um, promo and imaging. Uh, JT, do you want to talk a little bit about what promo and imaging are? Those are words that when you first get into VO, you don't really necessarily know what they mean. I love those things. Yes, I will happily talk about that. Um, so promo, generally, you'll think of you're watching a network and an ad comes on for their next show coming up on Thursday. So that's promo. Coming up on Thursday, the real world housewives, I, I don't watch reality shows, so I'm making this up. <laughs> the real world housewives get into a pickle. What will they do? Find out Thursday on NBC. Promo. Um, imaging would be similar, giving you the feel for a, a show or a product that it's, it's not so much commercial, just setting the it's tone. like a short advertisement. D right. But not really telling you anything about the product itself. It's not going to tell you the latest features and it, it's going to just kind of give you a feel for the product. If it's, um, Rolex. You're going to watch that and just know it's high end okay? without trying to sell you a Rolex. All right. Then, um, so some of the other things that are kind of broadcast, it would be uh, YouTube narration for YouTube videos. And I'm talking about like uh, in a podcast style or if you're the narrator of the video, um, also podcasts, both being a podcast host and the intros for podcasts. And we're big fans of podcasts. <laughs> and then audio dramas. Audio dramas are um, taken off a lot right now. Uh, Colin McLean said, audio drama is his favorite genre by a long shot. Don't get nearly enough of it, but having been variously cast as a dairy farmer, a coffee table, and a goldfish, amongst other rather more staid roles, I love the variety. Speaking goldfish is a particular newfound passion. I loved, I loved that. I so, need, I need to know, Colin, post a link to that. I know. The, I want to hear in the, the besties group. I want to hear what a table sounds like. <laughs> so, um, JT, you want to give us the last few, uh, types of, that we've got on our list? Sure. Um, cinema and events. You're in a movie theater and there's an ad coming on. I did this for Dollywood for a couple of years in the Dollywood theater. I would do the voice for promotions for upcoming events at Dollywood. So that's uh, another area or the, the ads that you, not the ads, but the announcements at the beginning of a movie, please make sure that you turn off your cell phone. Don't use your light. Be mindful of those around you. Exits are found at the rear of the theater. Um, we didn't talk about movie trailers either, but th th it's becoming less common for there to be this all voice of, you know, that, that voice in the movie trailer world, but they do still exist. They do. But again, it's, it's like the rated R. Mm -hmm. Most of it now is going to be the action and cut scenes from the movie itself. And they're going to be super fast. And then at the end, you're going to have Mark Ryder coming in saying, in theaters, Thursday, October 13th. You know, and they're looking for a very specific sound, depending on what the movie is. Although I did learn from Deborah Sperling that they have movie trailers for American movies in English in other countries. That is a, a place that you can get work that she's done some that they have no voice in America, but in other countries, they put a voice over it because they need more explanation. So that's just a, another 
thing out there. And then we have voice of God, which is like uh, that voice that comes over the loudspeaker at, of, at events, right? Like, please travel to your seats. The show will be starting in 15 minutes, you know, like at a conference, for example. And then live announcers, which, yes, that's still a voiceover, even though it's not necessarily recorded. It's um, announcing people's names and who's coming to the stage. And uh, it can be super fun. I've never done it, but um, I've heard that it's a lot of fun to be a live announcer. Now, but um, the thing there is that oftentimes on pay to play specifically, when they say live announcer or, or voice of God, it's often pre-recorded. So while you're going to be at the Emmys and the Grammys and the big award shows, actually standing backstage in front of a microphone and doing that live, no pressure. Um, Most of the time it's recorded. Most of the time it's recorded. I've done a lot of award shows that I just record the, the voice and they play it in the, in the theater. Yep. So how do you choose? How do you find, we've talked about a lot of different things to tie it up. How do we find what's best suited for your voice? Like how do people know what their niche is? Start out with your strengths. If you're not big on acting, which I, I've never trained to, to act. I've never done theater. Not high school doesn't count for me. It doesn't. I mean, some people go on from there. We didn't have the best theater program. So you know, animation and video games are probably not for me. If you worked in the medical field in the past, medical narration and e-learning and tutorials could be fantastic for you because you're already good at pronouncing really difficult things. You're more likely to speak with the precision that is needed for those genres. And they're better for instructing. If you're used to getting up in front of an auditorium with a thousand people and presenting something, E-learning and tutorials and narration of that type are perfect for you. Yeah. Have you worked in the computer industry? Yeah, there's a comfort with technology when you've worked in the computer industry that makes it easier for you to be casual. That tech read is a much more comfortable, casual read. You, you sound like you use these things every day and you know what you're doing with them. They're not looking for the same precision like T's at the ends of words, they're using more of a glottal stop rather than the medical and e-learning fields. And even e-learning is starting to trend more casual and conversational. We're looking for talking to a peer on a level you both get rather than a professor talking down to students. I like that distinction. Say that again, (laughs) A.B. It's more like a, a peer talking to a peer on a level that you both get rather than a professor talking down to students. I, I really, you know, I, again, just even just visually, I go, ooh. I like that because we're always talking, who are you talking to? What's your intention? So I really like that where, again, it's more relatable. Um, yeah, I mean, I know many of you are like me. I mean, I'm, I was a music theater major. That's, that's my whole background. Um, if, if you have that, if you have that ease of performance and improv and ability to just be a little freer, um, you know, you and do characters and voices, you know, maybe audiobooks is where you want to be. Audio dramas, animation, and video games. Mantra I live by is if you never ask, the answer is always no. But also, let's parallel that. If you never try, you never know either, right? So uh, AB ran into that where she'll say, I, I don't do characters. But 
it turned she did a she did a, a a workshop and she was asked to do a character and she's like it wasn't horrible it's not her passion it's like not that's not where she's like ready to go start booking work but there where the can't was it was like well i can it's just not necessarily where my interest lies so but you want to try everything don't narrow the scope too much but also good grief people don't be the person who's like yeah i do all voiceover no you don't no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> well, for the longest time, I kept on my profile audiobooks, like on my website and on my LinkedIn profile. And every now and then somebody would send me a message like, oh, I've got an audiobook I'd like you to narrate. And I would just cringe because I don't do audiobooks. Um, I get vocal strain pretty easy. I can't do the long hours. And so I, I eventually had to learn I just need to take it off. So, uh, JT, what about when you want to try new genres? I would say if you're if you're not familiar, find a coach in that genre and spend a little time learning it. Then start auditioning in it. And don't go with just like NJ just said, you can't be the voice of every genre. A coach who says they can teach it all is looking to take your money. Now, I'm not saying there aren't coaching teams or companies out there who offer coaching who have people who specialize in those different genres, like um, JMC Demos has a whole staff of coaches who are very specific to the genres who will coach you before they do your demo. So if you're going to look for a coach specifically, and we've talked about this before, schedule a 15-minute call with them first and see if you click, because not everybody is going to be the best coach for everybody. Find one who works for you, who you're comfortable with, and who you feel offers what you're really looking for and just clicks with your personality or you're not going to learn anything. Yeah, I think it's really important to vet the coaches to talk. You can ask in our Besties Facebook group, you know, say, hey, I'm looking for a coach in animation or I'm looking for a coach in video games. I noticed in our comments, um, somebody asking someone else who they are currently coaching with. And that's a great way to find um, good resources. So I, I think it's also important to know your weaknesses and your boundaries. Like we mentioned earlier that I don't do funny right? I Like that's a limit. I know. Um, <laughs> a good example is for a, a I did a Diana Birdsell's VO audition checkup and they said, write a jingle. And I'm not a writer and this is not a skill that I have. And they're like, well, I, but I wanted, I am a singer. I love to sing. And so I was like, well, I want to do one. I want to do a jingle. So my, I happen to have a bestie who is a great writer. Um, so NJ's like, I'll write you a jingle. And she did. And, and it was funny. And she's great at funny. And I'm not great at funny. <laughs> and I must have sent her 27 takes of me trying to be funny. And finally, she's like, here, just read it like this. And she does it funny. And I'm like, oh, that's how that's supposed to sound, right? Like, I know my strengths. I know I'm really, 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 really great at heartwarming and friendly. I'm really great at um, being a peer. I can make AP physics sound fun and conversational, but I don't do funny, right? So really learn what your strengths are and lean into your strengths, but also know your weaknesses. And I think it's important to know your boundaries, I keep using myself as an example, but I am a goody two shoes like you would not believe you guys like that is who I am It is just part of who I am. I don't do anything with profanity. 
and I don't do anything that sexualizes women. So that means I can't do any video, like video games, animation, animate, like all these things I just can't do and I won't do. And so, but those are boundaries that I've set for myself. Some people, those boundaries are political things, right? Like know what your boundaries are. Yeah. Um, Jeff Burns just said in the chat, the character stuff has always been his priority in life and commercials lately because his regional mainly focuses on those, but audiobooks are too much of a marathon, so he doesn't go after them. And I completely agree. Can I do an audiobook? Depending on the genre, yes. Do I want to do an audiobook? No. And God bless those of you who do. So I know my boundaries. I know my limits. We're all artists, but the I think the bottom line is we got into this industry because we have a passion for it. But you find that your passion has a place. There's a genre, just like what Jeff said. I mean, clearly the 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 character stuff, that's his passion for me. Yeah, I like the funny. I like the offbeat. I like to do the different things. AB, you are so on point. You do the warm and fuzzy. You connect with people in a way. And JT, I know you're doing more promo work. Like you you have a little, you know, you you can do the announcer. You you learn what suits you, but then you really want to have to you have to want to do it. That's the bottom line. Is you have yeah. to want to do voiceover. You have to want to passion, you know, is, is, comes from the word pain, right? Like we've, we've got to want it. You got to work for it and try. It will not fall in your lap. Even if you're like, oh, I used to be a nurse. So I know how to say all those words. Great. But remember voiceover isn't just talking, right? You know, there has to be effort that goes into it. So anyway, all right, JT, wrap us up. All right. Yes, we're at the top of an hour and we want to just thank everybody for being here today, being here every week. We appreciate your support so much. And we want to remind everybody that Food Besties is live two days a week. We invite you to join us on Monday nights at 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, and Thursdays for our VO 101 series at 10 and 1, 10 slash 1, because it's all the same time. And meantime, be sure to connect with each of us on LinkedIn. Join the VO Booth Besties Facebook group. Replays are available to listen to on our website, boothbesties.com, on YouTube podcasts, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Be sure to share your comments, like, and subscribe, you guys. This actually really helps us when you add comments and thumbs up or like and subscribe to our podcast. Even if you listen live, go over and and do us that favor. It helps us out. Sign up for the VO Booth Besties Monday newsletter so you know what's coming up in the week ahead. And you'll find discounts from our affiliate partners there as well. Like Tina Marasco just added a 10% off discount if you want to um, buy her VO libraries. Yeah, we've got Paul Schmidt on there. We're working with George the Tech. We've got some really great people that are supporting what we're doing and in turn want to help you guys and help save money for you if if you're interested in so uh monday is a holiday guys take the three-day weekend i hope you guys chill and hang out with family and friends or sit alone no don't be alone we're already alone <laughs> in the booth all day <clears throat> um but uh so we will not have a monday clubhouse but we will be back on thursday and as part of our VO 101 fundamental series, right, learning about VO, we're going to start talking about websites and web design. So we hope you'll join us. And in the meantime, guys, thanks for being here and have a fabulous day.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing. thing.